You're listening to Transplaner RPG, an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, dark-fantasy actual play channel set in an original non-colonial, anti-orientalist multiverse. The Chaos Protocol is our second main campaign and stars Valiant Dorian, Kai Kay, and Sam Starr as players, with C. Thomas as the producer and Connie Chong as the game master. Transplaner RPG is sponsored by Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon, because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy failing upward, and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and thank you so much for supporting our work. Content warnings for this episode include complex and complicated relationships, fantasy violence, descriptions of guns, gore. Heights, grief, body horror, and references to death of loved ones, death of pets, choking, and reproductive organs. Arc 1, Episode 20 And Vagabonds From Self-Eulogy of a Martyr by Connie Chong King Maswu lives. It takes all of your energy, many hours and buckets of sweat. But as the sutures around King Masu's soul begin to mend, Lumira, you know that you've done it. King Masu lives, as is fate's will. When the last of your magic leaves you, the royals of the Raya have a full, proper reunion. A big group hug, crying, squeezing. In this ruined banquet hall, a massive cheer erupts upward toward the heavens. Rumors say even Siren Song can hear the Raya's cries of relief. Maswu himself steps forward. He places a massive hand on Mumira's shoulder and gives you his sincere thanks. Abasi also rushes forward and hugs you very tightly. The fires in this hall are doused, the people of the Raya begin to sweep up the ashes, and we hold on the transparent ceiling of the banquet hall. Through the shattered hole in the glass, we see one of the two moons framed perfectly by a halo of jagged crystal. Morning comes quickly. There's a sense of some urgency. Igni is still out there, and this brazen, violent raising of the Raya must be answered for. Strike Team Nova prepares for your next leg of your journey with intention and clarity. In a royal hall, the Prim sits at a low stone table, penning a letter to Chongsin's surge. They're letting their family know that they're okay, and that their destiny is calling them east, toward Princess Amarjin. Suhyon has told your party, in no uncertain terms, that they are to accompany you on your quest to its end. It is foreseen, and it is what they want to do. On a nearby bench, Zainan Esh cleans his gun. The rifle is partially disassembled, the bolt laid on a clean cloth by his side. He runs a rag down the forestalk, removing the accumulated soot and ash from the fiery fight the evening prior. He'd have cleaned his gun right after the clash, running on fumes and exhaustion, but it was Singh, of all people, who came to him and made him rest. The gun can wait till morning. In the healing hut, Lieutenant Commander Jin Ying Rafiq rests upon a clay floor, sitting against back supports made of kiln-fired bricks and padded blankets. The head doctor mixes a poultice at a medical station while three healers surround the commander tending to their wounds and praying to the guides. Thankfully, Jin Ying's injuries, though severe, are now stable. The hut smells like incense from the shrine and sharp, bitter camphor from the treatments. Sayer kneels beside the commander. She allows him to dab her forehead with a warm cloth, to bring her tea, to even deliver a report 
of the weather outside and how her sky warriors are faring. She also gives Seir words of warning. Igni is a powerful foe, driven by a dark rage that few can withstand. Xinying looks Seir directly in the eyes as she says this. She tells him to be careful. That quick action is a boon when delivered with intention, and a mire when done without thought. In the grand entranceway of Aminu Palace, Abasi Zahar says goodbye to her parents. A pack is slung over her shoulder, her gauntlets are fully repaired, a bandage wraps around her leg from a small burn she'd sustained from the night prior. It took a lot of convincing behind closed doors for Maswu to let Abasi out of his sight once more, but the princess is insistent. Aubergine needs her, the Wild Sea needs her, and the Raya needs her parents. It is time for the Scion of Body to prove herself worthy of her title. Amun gives Abasi a tight hug, words of wisdom, words of caution. Zumarud plants a big, loving kiss on Abasi's forehead and ties a bracelet around her wrist. And Maswu gets onto one knee, wraps his daughter into a hug, and tells her that he will see her soon. On the other end of this hall, watching this farewell, is Sing. She leans against a pillar, her injured shoulder wrapped tightly in gauze and bandages. A faint smile softens their mouth as Abasi says goodbye to their parents. Then Sing inhales deeply, rests a hand on the hilt of her longsword, and turns to face the sky docks. The leaf balloon ride down is more somber and focused than when your party first arrived. Majid, the operator, seems to sense this and doesn't ask any prying questions, though they do communicate their gratitude to your group for Nova's part in the Raya's defense. Storm Chaser is exactly where you left her, bobbing on the verdant leaves leashed to a sailing stone. The broad wood groans beneath your boots as you clamber back on board, as though the decks themselves have missed you. The smell of the verdancy fills your nostrils, fresh moss, churned earth, wet bark. The anchor is hoisted, the runners recalibrated, and then your party is off, cutting out of the shadow of the Raya, embarking on a brand new chapter of your quest. Princess Amergen is heading east, traveling upon a monk ship. The Scion of Heart seems to be the key to unlocking all of these mysteries, the Calamities, Igni, Aregnus, and yet answers still elude you. Who is Amergen traveling with? What is she doing? And just where exactly is she headed? As your party charts a path, Sunrise Ward, leaving the floating archipelago of the Raya behind, the sun begins to set, and we pull in on each of you now. Dusk never gets old on the Wild Sea. The sunset is the closest thing to experiencing harmless flame. Crimson light pours across the horizon like a bloodstain, painting the leafy fronds a deep, sanguine red. Up here, in the manticrow's nest, the breeze is cool and refreshing. The smell of smoke is far behind you now. You inhale the humid, musky scent of moss, soil, and bark, and the wind tousles your hair. Zidon, as you perch upon this observation deck, looking out at the green world being painted red all around you, what emotion is bubbling to the forefront of your mind? It's a sense more than a single emotion that moving feels good. It's nice to be on the waves again. It's nice to stretch your legs. It's nice to be on the move, pressing towards your target, actually making tangible progress toward your objective. And yet, as always with you, Zainan, 
It is the memories that occupy your mind. One step always forward, but the other, as much as you try to pull it out, mired in the past. A memory is pressing in, Zynan. A recent memory, thankfully. You, perched on the edge of a terrace, looking out over the tiered slopes of Aminu Isle. Wind blows through your hair as it does now up here in the Manticrow's nest. But in this memory, mere hours ago, you are sitting on the sandstone lip of a balcony, watching the people of the Raya rebuild their home after the fire. You're also watching Abasi and Sing in a courtyard several steps below. Abasi is preparing her Triforodon squaw for travel, and Sing is obviously trying to get her to teach them how to fly. Sing playfully steals a feather brush from Abasi, who chases her in circles around a very unamused squall, while both of them laugh. They don't know you're up here, but you've been keeping an eye on them, as you are wont to do. On the surface, their antics might seem jarring against the somber air about you, but there's something about watching young people laugh, even in the wake of disaster, that calms the soul and anchors the mind. You sense his approach before you hear it. A strong aura, the scent of sandalwood, bergamot, pineapple. King Maswu stops a few feet behind you, his sandals scuffing against the sandstone to make his presence known. Thought I'd find you up here. Mind if I join you, Zainan? Not at all, uh, your majesty. King Maswu steps forward and he sits down next to you. He casts his gaze out at the terrace below, looking very fondly upon his daughter, just as you look fondly down upon Sing. Ah, she stopped playing so much when she became a teenager. Something about looking cool, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm happy my daughter has found her sense of fun again, though. I don't think it ever left her in a true way. But there were years in her adolescence where she tried to repress it. The uh, allure of kinship goes a long way and I feel like most of our crew are a good peer to her hmm. I'm happy she's found your crew I was anxious scared when she fled from the Raya as consumed as I was by the oil curse I wasn't acting upon it when it happened but now, now that the curse is gone thanks to your healer so much has occurred that would have driven me up the wall had I been completely of my mind. I'm happy she's safe. And yet, I have to let her go just when I got her back. Just when I got myself back. You'll take care of her, I trust. As Maswu has been talking about all these important details of the upbringing of his beloved Sion, his child. Zainan sort of unconsciously runs his fingers over the edge of his hat, just kind of thinking and feeling something familiar and different still, and trying to live in Maswu's joy of seeing his daughter coming of age and feeling that tension between the two of them from the night before and feeling relief again. Uh, we'll take excellent care of her as much as she takes good care of us. <laughs> Which I hope is your way of saying a lot. Yes. Unless Abasi has been particularly Abasi. I know how she can get sometimes. I was that way when I was her age. Honestly, sometimes even in my old age now. I see that in you, actually. Uh, she is stern and proud. <laughs> Good qualities in moderation. Uh, but I know we Zahars can have a temper. That's useful too. Sometimes they, and he looks down to Sang, can use someone with a little bit of a sharp edge. Hmm. It's all about balance. And intention. Strength, when applied correctly, is a powerfully positive force. 
course. It took me some painful reminding. A lesson I have to learn over and over. It's true strength. Learning. Growing. Mm. Growing into who you were always meant to be. And learning the new edges of what that means every day. Yes. Yes, your majesty. Ah, you don't have to keep calling me that. You know, when it's just the two of us, of course. In front of everyone else, I don't mind, your majesty. All right. <laughs> How are you feeling? Hmm. I'm feeling a lot of things, Zynan. I am feeling relief that my daughter is all right, that that Igni woman didn't steal her away. I am feeling proud of my daughter for proving her strength over and over, not just in the fight against Igni, not even by herself out on the Wild Sea, but for being the one that came up with the idea for the Tournament of Heirs in the first place. Thinking outside the box, searching for solutions even when all hope seems lost. But most of all, I feel grateful. Thank you, Zynan, for saving my life. For helping me see reason. You reached out to me in a way that no one else could. And for that, I am in your debt. I meant it. I couldn't just watch that happen. Not just because Abasi is... Well, they're wonderful. An incredible reflection and yet also a unique talent all her own. You're telling me. <laughs> When I first held her in my arms, God, my heart was so full I thought it might burst. <sighs> Seeing this young woman she's made herself into. Well, and no thanks to me. I'm sure I've impeded her progress for being a fine young woman. I have my spouses to thank for that, really. It uh, makes my heart aglow all over again. That wonder never goes away. It never does, does it? And at that, Masu looks at you for the first real time since this conversation. Up until this point, you've been looking out at Abasi and Squall and Sing, and now he turns to face you. And there is, you can't escape it, a knowing look in his eyes as you say that. That pride never leaves you, does it? Nothing could ever take it from you. Not time. Nothing. My... Husband's love couldn't pull me out of the oil curse, Zynan. My wife's sharp logic couldn't either. Even seeing my daughter in the banquet hall wasn't enough. I had to be reminded of what I could lose. I had to be spoken to by someone who has lost. Zynan hangs his head fairly low, and even though his arm is still bandaged from the burns, it hurts just a little, but not enough to stop him as that weariness sets in, thinking about her. I know I would be beside myself if I lost a bossy. And I almost did. So again, thank you for preventing that disaster. You're welcome, Masumu. The grief, it weighs heavy on your heart, does it not? It takes a strong man, an impossibly strong man, to bear. You don't really have the option, because just like that feeling of holding that newborn in your arms, time can't take that away either. But that's the shape of things. You'll always have the memory them, Zynan. Yep. And Zynan can't look up, and his hands grip the brim of his hat, and he can feel his heart pounding. I hope in time that those memories will bring you more peace and joy than they do grief and sorrow. And if there's one thing I've learned from my time in the darkness, it's that it takes the strongest man to lean on his loved ones in his moments of need. Correct. That's wise. <laughs> oh, I am many things. 
but wise, you might be the first to call me that. It's your new strength. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know I'm wise as an owl. <laughs> <laughs> and Zynan's laugh kind of pulls him out and he sits up and he looks more like the man that was sitting here earlier watching these two young heroes down below. Masu, as he laughs, he sniffs a little and wipes a tear quickly from the corner of his eye as he also settles back into sitting next to you. But as he does, you feel that tear that he wipes away uh, splash onto the back of your hand. It settles onto it, warm and wet, but it's more than just a tear. Something about it seems to brim with magic. And Zainan, you feel the weight of Masu's sorrow, his grief, his sadness, his empathy for you, for what he could have lost, and his gratitude for what you helped him preserve, resting on that back of your hand. And when you look down, you see that the tear isn't the color of water, it is the color of your grief. What is that color? It's a shade to the left of Zynan's purple skin with a deeper purple in it. It isn't remarkably different, but somehow it's familiar. Before your very eyes, you see that dark purple resonance on the back of your palm glow and then sink fully into your body. And it melds with the rest of the purple of your skin, forming an even color. But even as that happens, you feel the painted on streaks of tear marks down your cheeks prickle a little and you get the feeling that they are glowing, almost in response to this tear that's dropped onto the back of your hand. And Masu blinks, seeing, I think, the glowing contours of your face at that. And he turns to like face you fully. Oh, oh my apologies. That was... Not intended. It must have just come out. I was so overtaken by our conversation. You're a good conversationalist, Zainan. That might be a first for someone to say to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it appears that we are exploring many firsts today. <laughs> but that glow, my tear upon the back of your hand, I believe I might have just blessed you. Well, then... Thank you very much, your majesty. Uh, what what do you mean by blessing? <laughs> Don't look so alarmed. Well, maybe you should, because not a lot of people can do it in the Wild Sea. Only three people, technically. Well, six, I suppose, if you want to split hairs. It's, um, the title of Scion of Body I've already passed down to Abasi when she first came of age, when she turned 18. It's a sacred ritual between the inheritors of the guide body. I don't claim the title fully anymore, but a vestige of the power still resides in me, and it comes out in unexpected ways. Back when I was her age, young and brash and ready to take on the world, I could bestow gifts of strength upon my most cherished comrades. I believe I've bestowed one such gift upon you. It is a blessing of strength. Enough to sustain you on the Wild Sea, I hope. Enough to help you protect the people you love, as you have helped me protect mine. And Zynan, above the table, what this means is you're gonna get a plus 3d6 to action rolls when you're attempting to protect other people. That's amazing! <laughs> Zynan goes from being very half-heartedly jovial again to genuinely smiling he's never felt particularly blessed in one direction other than being pulled out of the dust so for anyone to choose him feels new again I think Masu sees something about that newness in your face and his face lights up as well <laughs> you know a part of me was a little worried that you'd demand for me to take back this gift so I'm glad you're taking it in stride. It's honestly the least I could do given all the help you've rendered me and my kingdom. I will aspire to be worthy of this gift, Maswu. I'm sure you will attain that. Speaking of gifts, 
I do have one more present for you. Now, I'm not usually the messenger, but I will make an exception for the Lady of Wolves. And Maswu reaches into the folds of his robe, and he produces a beautiful pendant made of pure diamond. It glitters in the sunlight, and you know instantly that this gem is worth so much, not just monetarily, but there's something about the weight of it in Maswu's palm that seems to shimmer with not magic in the way that's never come naturally to you, but with memory, which is very familiar to you. This is a present from Lady Okami. Miss Sando and her spouse would like to pass along thanks for your efforts during the fire to protect them in particular. As Ruka explained to me, this pendant can summon the spirit of Morn. Spirit of... I'm sorry, do you know what that is? Oh, oh, yeah, yes, of course, I assumed that you would... Well, Morn was the very first pinwolf that Miss Sando raised herself. As the story goes, she found Morn on an abandoned spit as an orphaned pup, with no litter to speak of. The two became inseparable until the day Morn died, protecting his owner. And now, Morn's spirit is yours to summon to protect your loved ones until your mission is done. Well, that is quite a gift. Please, should we miss each other, pass along my deep gratitude to Lady Okami. (laughs) I will, I will. And I know it's none of my business, but I'm sure she has ideas for how you can repay her. Here you go. Zainan holds his hand out and rubs his thumb over the stone, just feeling the contours of it, thinking about a hope, something he very rarely has, of coming back to the Raya before we leave. Yeah, I think that hope sparks right underneath your sternum, and it feels to be the same color, or maybe a color parallel to, adjacent to the color of your grief two sides of the same coin, hope and grief, hope and grief, turning in the pit of your heart, in the depths of your soul. Masu, sitting there, big smile on his face, he claps a hand kind of hard on your back, you're still a bit injured from the fight before, but he is, you know, once was the scion of strength, bam, on the back. You're a good man, Zainan. You're a good man. But as much as you protect the people around you, you should give them a chance to protect you, too. All right, your majesty. Ow. Oh, sorry. Broken ribs, right? Mm-hmm. Ah, your healer will patch you right up. If she could cull the rest of that oil beast from my soul, I bet she could mend your broken ribs in no time. She absolutely can. <laughs> You've got some good kids traveling with you. You must be proud. Extremely. I know the feeling. And Masu returns his gaze out at Abasi and Singh. Singh has cornered Abasi, right? And is like basically like, like you can see her shaking her fists together, being like, please, 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 can you teach me how to ride Squall? And Abasi is like so close to giving in. Squall is still completely unamused, <laughs> just like grooming his own feathers, right? And Masu lets out a big belly, throaty laugh. And on that laugh, a breeze whisks the memory off away to the west off away behind you as you blink your eyes open at the top of this manticrow nest. Where is the pendant on you? It hangs underneath the wrap and in front of the sling that he uses to wear his rifle, just outside of his shirt. Mm. It hangs there, and I think in the crimson light from the setting sun, it also winks and shines a bit of crimson against the translucent diamond of the gem. And as you come back to the present, still feeling that rotating coin of fate, the two sides of grief and hope inside your heart, you also sense the post of the manticrow's nest shaking a little as Sayir finally crests the last rung at the top and his antlers come up before he does and then you see his face. You see Sayir's face pop up from just above the final rung of the ladder and there's a familiar look upon Sayir's face and eyes of a man realizing that he did not announce his arrival. 
and is sifting through his mind for the appropriate mannerism as he puts his knuckle against the crow's nest itself and knocks it like knocking on a door. I hope I'm not interrupting. Just me and the wind up here. Come on up. All right. And Sayer pushes himself onto the magic crow's nest and takes a seat by you, cross-legged, looking out into the vast expanse of the wild sea. Zainan continues to look over the reddened leaves and then slowly begins to turn his attention to you, Sir. I was wondering if we could talk. About the fight? Yeah. About what happened. How are you, uh, how are you hanging in there? I'm alright. I, um, Lumira patched up most of my injuries, um, most of the fire caught onto the clothes and not onto me, thankfully. Good. We would have been a little bit lost if you hadn't pulled through that well. You did good work. Sayer hears that and is taken aback a little bit. Uncertain on how to take that compliment. Thank you. I I saw something. The uh, big oil snake? No. Oh. Was it... Uh... A glimmer of the moon, perhaps? It was an omen. Deeper than before. What was this omen? It was a reckness. The deepest part of it. It... What it was, the... I could... See it. Clearly. And... And it... I... And he hesitates. You handled it well? Yes. I channeled it I and Sayer feels a tightness around his neck as he feels the coil of the snake tattoo wrap underneath it tightening I wanted to ask you your advice about hunting alright I I learned a lot from my omen. This beast is arrogant. It prides itself, sees itself a great predator, an apex. Everyone beneath it manipulable. Apex predators think that way in general. They don't have anything to worry about. They think that everything is just prey to be battered around, frightened into a corner. And I think it's chosen, it's Baron, that woman. Baron? what she calls herself. Regnus's Baron of Flame. Mm, like a scion. Yeah. Kind of like that. But their bond's not infallible. You saw it. You stepped. Yeah, I saw you spark to life. What was, uh... Was that that omen? Sayer wants to tell the truth. And he wants to say what really happened. The deal he struck. The power he took. And he can't. The snake tightens once more. Yes. It was the omen. I saw its very heart. I knew its nature. Its true nature. I think we can corner it. Get ahead of it. It tells me things. Then listen. Let your prey tell you where they're headed. Hunt. What if. What if the path is risky? Every damn thing we do is risky, Seer. I feel like you especially understand that. And seeing you find a new way to channel all that doom inside of you. That's refreshing if you ask me. I think this is really good. I think it's very good for you. Find the edges, right? Have you found them yet? I think so. For the first time, I... The hands... Lessons, coaching, training... It finally made sense for the first time. What it feels like to hunt, what it feels like to get ahead 
of your opponent that you hold all the cards. The interest in nature of the way that I fight. I'm not in the fray with you. I have to read the prey and listen to it and wait. And if you get to meet your prey where it's headed, let it run itself out. We'll find a Regnus. Won't scare you away, right? Absolutely not. I do have a question, though. And Sayer, he grins, finally feeling more reassured by Zynum's voice. And as you say that, his bright blue eyes flick over to you. A boyishness hops out as he eagerly listens. Yeah. And Zynan catches that glint again. In this Manticrow's nest, there's something about the vulnerability behind those eyes. What was going to be quickly asked, he stops, he thinks about exactly how he wants to say it. Gives you a half-cocked little smile. Do you, uh, see anything else unusual in that fight? And he just stares into your eyes, Sir. Those green eyes just glinting with the red of the sunset. Holding the door open in case you wanted to talk about something else that he may or may not know. Sayer meets that gaze, looks down and away for a moment, meets it once more. What do you mean? Did you see something? What happened to your sash, Sayer? Oh, that. I made a mistake, Zainan. A costly one. I trust you. I trust you, sir. If Artemis is right with you, then we're all right. The hand made her feelings known. I don't think they have feelings. (laughs) (laughs) And Sayer laughs. And I don't think you've ever heard this laugh from him before. A releasing of something young within him. It does feel that way sometimes, but I don't know. There's an intensity there. It has to feel like feelings, right? (laughs) I'm kidding. I think in there is a soft, gooey center way, way underneath. Subterranean. Yes, that is not for us. That's all right. They have a hard job. And uh, our job, stick together. Look out for each other. Yeah. And when Sayer says that weak affirmation, he begins playing at the hilt of his crescent blade that he has strapped around his belt. She wanted to dance with me. He just confesses. Do you know how? Poorly. I don't think I would have been a good dance partner. Not that it matters. I don't think it was about the quality of the dance. Someone who wants to do something that powerful isn't here for the dance here. Well, that's done now, I suppose. There's plenty of, uh... And Zynan grins and looks down to the just glint peeking out underneath his shawl. Plenty of new dance partners out there. Well, if you say so, old man. Hey! If you say so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Not a problem. Thank you for getting us out of there. I'll do anything for the strike team. Anything. The glint of the diamond pendant refracts a dozen times over both of your shadows. And your shadow in particular, Sayer, hasn't disobeyed you even once, even in the smallest way, since Artemis banished Yinghua back whence they came. Lumira, 
you are not in the Manta Crow's nest like so many of Strike Team Nova. Instead, we find you somewhere entirely different upon Storm Chaser. Where are you and what task are you occupying yourself with? Lumira is trying everything in her power to not focus on earlier. Doesn't focus on it, continues on with her actual duties, what she has to do. Then, you know, it just goes away into the mist and we never have to talk about it again. So she went back to her original project that was distracting her before all of this happened. And she is pacing back and forth in front of the door, separating the hallway from the engine room, consistently back and forth. And she'll stop in front of the door and reach out to grab it before being like, "Mm -mm, no, no. No, and we'll go back before doing another couple of laps back and forth and stopping and repeating the process over and over again. And she's doing that consistently, like almost enough to where it would probably, if the wood was any less strong, it would be like worn back and forth from where she was walking at. She's done the same loop over and over and over again. Yeah, I totally see it. You're just walking back and forth, back and forth, pausing, maybe? No, no, no. And then walking back and forth, back and forth, pausing, maybe? No, no, no. A, a cycle that's continued for at least 15 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe coming up on an hour at this point. Anything to distract you from, well, you don't want to think about that. Lumira, you hear them before you see them. Robes whispering over Broadwood deerskin sandals coming down the ramp. Prin Himsuhyon arrives at the end of the hallway that leads to the engine room. Their hands clasp within the arms of their robes. They don't appear surprised to see you on the other end of this corridor, though expression is always rather difficult to parse upon their impassive face. Oh, hello, Lemira. I thought I'd find you down here. I would like to know what's behind those doors, but I don't think I'd be able to open them, given that they are twice reinforced and locked. Aren't you the same one who stood outside a door for like an extended amount of time just to listen to someone's not there brain meat? Well, King Masu was technically there, I just couldn't see him because of the door and because of the oil curse blocking his mind from me. But yes, it does seem that doors are perhaps my mortal enemy at this point. And you've never just attempted to try an open one or find someone that could? Oh, they, they've always been locked. King Maswu's office was locked, and I assume that these engine doors are locked as well, given the fact that they are uh, hermetically sealed. You can read minds, but you can't unlock doors. I am a psychic, not a telekinetic. Again, my question stands. You not once went, hmm, let me skim the brains of other people around to see if they have a key. Oh. Well, I used to read people's minds when I was younger, but my father, before he died, tragically, uh, told me not to do that. Do you want to just know what's inside here? I can open the door. You know what is behind those doors? Well, I assume it is the engine, but something about the engine feels strange. But you've seen it? You've been beyond. You found the keys. I tried looking in the captain's quarters, but the keys were not on the key holder. Someone took them. Was it you? As you like hold up your hand and clink the keys between your fingers, the Prin finally lets out an actual expression. Their mouth falls open to a tiny, almost comical O, and their eyes widen and their eyebrows shoot up. <gasps> the key. So, there are conditions if I bring you into this room. Condition number one, do not touch anything. And I do mean nothing. This is my area and I do not do well with strangers touching my things. Okay? Okay. Number two, 
You will not tell anyone what you see down here or what you even know is behind this door. Again, my things, and I do not like people being privy to things and information I don't give to them willingly. Understood. I can't tell them physically? Nor psychically, or whatever it is that you do up here. <sighs> All right, okay. Third, if you can help me figure this out, we might be able to do something. I like doing things. Like what? I don't know. That's why I said I'd have you figure it out. Maybe, perhaps, we could visit a cantina? Or a tavern of some kind? Or ride the back of some beast? Lumera just turns around while they're contemplating and goes to open the door. Just... (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah, the friend has pulled up directly behind you at this point. They're just rattling off things in the wild sea they would like to do that they've never had the chance to. You slide the key into the lock, you unlock it, and the door groans open. And behind it, just like the last time you were here, is a massive, beating, organic heart. And the veins and ventricles coming out of the heart are hardwired into the copper wires that run up and down all of Storm Chaser, powering it. And even before your eyes, the flesh of it beats. And the print immediately stops talking in the middle of their sentence. Ooh, or perhaps we could try those extremely spicy salted... Oh my. Mm-hmm. An organ. Not just any organ, the organ. The heart is the most important piece of muscle in the entire body. It is what sustains life. It is what keeps it going. Every pump that this being makes powers life within itself. What is not to marvel? Wow. I would say the most important organ that is made of muscle is the tongue, because I like to eat food and taste them. But the heart is a a close, is a close runner up, yes. It's marvelous. And Suhyun takes a step forward, like past the threshold toward the heart. Wow, it's disgusting and beautiful. Lumira puts a hand out to keep them from stepping any closer to it. I haven't touched it yet. She just looks at the print before turning her attention back to the heart within itself. It's art. There's nothing disgusting about this. Oh no, I, I love disgusting things. You know, zombies and spirits and all that. Organs and flesh and bone and gristle. It's gorgeous. Tissue and muscles and ligaments and mucous membranes. Lymphatic systems. Mucus. Yes, mucus. You like mucus? It's disgusting, but it does have its purpose. Exactly. It's a thick, slimy film that protects us and lets us know when we're sick. Exactly. You know, I might have had you pegged wrong. Hmm. I like you, Lumira. I think I like you too. So, shall we untangle the mystery of this beating organ that powers Storm Chaser? You take the left side, I take the right. Okay. Still not touching anything? Before you touch anything, call me first. Okay. And she like skitters off. (laughs) (laughs) You do like a a periphery check around the engine room. It's exactly as the last time you left it. There's like a powerful presence to the heart that it exudes, right? And the closer you get to it, the the hotter it seems to be, like physically hot, like it's giving off heat. There's also little bits of sparks and little bits of lightning strobes that come off of it, but nothing huge, just like little bits of static. Uh, It is an electrical organ. And I think the two of you make like a full rotation before like meeting in the middle again in front of like the open door to the engine room. And Suhyun says, "Ah, unfortunately, Lumira, there are no eyes down here. I need to look at eyes to see into someone's soul. (sighs) 
If only this massive heart were a massive pair of eyes. Or just the one. You know, the heart's kind of misunderstood, right? How so? There's a reason why, metaphorically, right, people refer to their heart when they talk about things that they love or miss or long for. People refer to the heart as the center of their being, as the thing that can be given to someone else. People hold their, well, although it's not physically held there, right? Metaphorically, love is held there. You might not need eyes to still feel the effect that something can have on the heart. I've never thought of it that way before. Maybe... Maybe I can try to peer into this organ's history. It's... Mystery. It's mysterious history, if you will. Just by focusing upon its heart. Mm-hmm. Um... All right. Let me try. And Suhil narrows their eyes at the heart? And they clasp their hands in front of their chest, and they squint and focus very hard. And Lumira, you start to feel like an arconautical, magical, electromagnetic field emanating off of the prin. Like, you can just sense it, and you can sense the prin reaching out toward the heart, trying to connect with it. And you can help guide their hand in this moment if you would like and assist them in this endeavor. Yes, I would love to assist them in this endeavor. Excellent. So that is gonna be either an instinct, I think, edge, or a sharps edge. Always gonna take sharps, baby. Okay. Always gonna take sharps. What skill are you bringing in? Study. Go for it. How many dice is that? That is twee, twee dice. Roll them bones. Ooh, okay. Six, five, three. Ooh, that is a triumph. That is a complete success with no drawbacks. What does it look like as you help guide the Prin? It's one of those things where I don't even think Lumira realizes it. I think she puts, if they're okay with it, will put her hand on the Prin's shoulder and guide their breathing to match the pumping of the heart itself. So all three of us together are synced in movement with this heart. And when we're in that that beat that's right in between the right side pumping over to the left side, there's a spot right in between those two ventricles that just for a brief second are shown. There. I can touch it? Right there. Okay. Be careful. I will. And breathing in sync with you and the beating of the heart, the Prin narrows their eyes at that exact spot. They fling their arm out to the side with their palm flat out. And then in like a a quick magical somatic gesture, fling their hand forward and press the flat of their palm against that exposed spot. They gasp and their eyes go completely white with light. They glow. A great inhale of air, and they say, I see it! And Lumira, because you're touching their shoulder, you see it too. The vision. A raging storm strobes of lightning. The wild sea ensconced in mist and thunder. The canopy parts, and surfacing up, from the sink and the drown that it calls its home is one of the Leviathans. A massive serpentine winged dragon with scales made of shifting storm clouds. The Leviathan looms over a ship, a 
tiny, slender vessel, rocking atop frenetically undulating waves of vegetation beneath its voltaic runners. Standing upon the prow, grasping onto a rope for purchase, is Princess Hylian Mylesia. She is younger than you last saw her, Lumira, her face unlined, her hair unclasped and billowing around her shoulders, her dark skin glazed with storm water. She is shouting up at the Leviathan, her words booming over the howling winds. Oh, great one! Is this the only way? Is there no other path for me to conquer this trial? Leviathan lowers its huge, majestic head until it is eye to eye with the woman upon the prow. The storm dragon opens its maw and words pour from between razor-sharp teeth. Oh, scion of heart, you have proven your kindness in the first trial. You have proven your insight in the second. Now you must prove your resolve. My era is ending. Even the oldest iron roots must one day yield to grave dirt. This is the dawn of a new storm, witch. Prove your resolution, Princess Mylesia, and carve out my heart. Mylesia takes a deep, shuddering breath. Tears well in her eyes, pouring down her cheeks, mixing with rainwater. But she knows what she must do. She lifts an arm, and the verdancy surges. Every tree, every branch, every thorn explodes upward and pierces into the misty form of the Storm Witch. The Leviathan utters a mighty, final roar. Lightning explodes from her maw, piercing the sky like a god's sword, and the entire world lights up. Even in this vision, you are blinded. Finally, the light subsides. Your eyes adjust. The storm is dissipating all around you the howling gales subsiding to a gentle breeze. The rain has stopped, the clouds are clearing, the rustling waves are no longer thrashing and heaving, and the vines and branches controlled by Mylesia are gently, carefully, lovingly wrapped around a still-beating leviathan heart. As Mylesia guides the heart down to the upper deck. She sees something glowing within it. A small, curled-up outline of some newborn soul. Mylesia holds out a hand, and the outline floats out of the heart and into her arms. It's a baby. Mylesia exhales in wonder. <sighs> the dawn of a new storm witch. She cradles the baby close to her chest. My beautiful daughter. Amarjan. And the vision is over. Lumira, you blink, and you are back in the engine room with that massive beating heart before you, sparking with organic energy. Suhyon stands next to you, their face Impassive, but their brow is knotted with wonder and thought. Holy fucking shit. Indeed. Wow. That was unexpected. So the Scion of Heart is a... a... Well, I don't know exactly. Was born... from... A leviathan heart? A heart that is also a womb. Fascinating. Nothing about anatomy here makes sense anymore. No. No, it does not. The trials. 
That's odd as well. Wait, what does that mean for Abasi? Well, the trials are a legend, you see. It's said that the guides, our ancestors, went through three trials, a test, in order to prove their leadership and worthiness to the verdancy itself, so that they might receive the Wild Sea's blessings and guide their people to safety. It's what grants the guides the powers of body, mind, and heart in the first place, and the powers that I claim, Abasi claims, and Amarjan claim. But the trials are just a legend, a thing of the past, a story. I became a scion through an archonautical ritual that passed my father's powers down to me when I came of age. I imagine Abasi must have gone through the same thing, and I assumed Amarjan went through the same thing as well. But in that memory, the queen, who was a princess in that vision, she mentioned actual trials, and she wasn't in Siren's song. She was out in the wild sea somewhere. Fascinating. Well, the Scions of Heart have always been the most secretive among the three Scions. What the hell? I think Lumira is, like, listening to this, but is, like... It's like being slapped in the face with a book and expecting to like know it from cover to cover, right? Just from getting hit in the face with it. So she, it, like the literal definition, like the actual personification of like that meme where like the math is like flowing. <laughs> White woman math meme? Yes. yes. <laughs> like that is actually her right now. And she's just like, ooh, this is gonna be. I gotta tell Papa. Mm, yes. So we're breaking that second rule. We can tell people. He's gonna be so mad. Mad? This is excellent. I love learning new things about the Verdancy. No, here's the thing. I also enjoy knowledge. Knowledge, fun, gaining knowledge. Yes. Knowledge, fun, gaining knowledge. Yes. But see. Zynan doesn't like me gaining knowledge. That without, doesn't seem very supportive of him. Without the proper channels, let me finish. Queen Hylian told me to stay, told us to stay away from the engine room. And now I see why. Yes, if this contains the heart slash womb of her bested leviathan slash lover slash friend slash thing that she had to kill to achieve her powers. It must be very complicated and perhaps she didn't want to explain herself to you. But it is always better to ask forgiveness than permission, yes? Bestie? Yes, it is always easier to ask forgiveness than to ask permission. We are considering ourselves best friends now. I'm sorry, I missed the memo. Oh, are we not? It's okay, we can start as just friends. Let's start there. I would like that. Maybe acquaintances and then work our way to friends. Okay, I may have taken a few steps too quickly. Yeah. Too much. Okay, acquaintances. I was back here and you were like a mile away. I just thought that the shared vision would have bonded us closer. Oh no, it definitely did. Like trauma bonding, but good. I don't know if I ever want to do that again. Um, let's go. Come on. Out, out, I thought out, it was out, great. Out, Exhilarating, out, one might say. Out. Okay, let's go ask let's for go. forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ask for forgiveness. And, <laughs> and you and the prince, uh, you close the door, obviously, and you lock it. You scuttle down the hallway and you start like making your way up the ramp toward the upper deck. As you surface, and as Seir and Zainan finish their talk up on the Manticrow's nest, the sun dips below the horizon at last, taking the final vestiges of warmth with her. And the twin moons are starting to rise into a darkened sky now, their ascent casting a melancholy silver light over the rustling waves of the Verdant Sea. As your party starts to come together upon this deck, Storm Chaser 
hums along its route, its voltaic runners buzzing in harmony with the nighttime music of insects all around you. And then the pirates are upon you. This episode was edited by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our original intro theme music is by Jonathan Charles. Transplaner RPG is supported by our incredible Patreon precepts. Folks pledge to our highest tier on Patreon. A massive thank you to Charles, Cora Eckert, Chiacres, Lex Slater, Scruffesis, Hat, Alex, Mark J, Lyle and Peanut, Spencer, Brooke in Seattle, Derek Davidson, Phil, Jordan, Cassidy, and Rose. Pledge to our Patreon today for as little as $3 a month to unlock exclusive news, character sheets, GM notes, and even the chance for your tabletop OC to cameo in our show. Until next time, Transplay Nerds!